With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and... Starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Taishin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. And I'm Ada Shen in Paris. China rolls out 5G service, Switzerland gives Huawei the green light, and Alibaba eyes a second IPO after a glowing earnings report. Here's your news. China is now offering cell phone users ultra-fast 5G service, a technological feat that comes despite American attempts to contain Beijing's largest telecom company, Huawei. China's three state cellular carriers are offering plans starting around 18 U.S. dollars a month, going up to roughly 100 U.S. dollars a month, with speeds of up to 100 times faster than existing 4G services. China is not the first country to launch commercial 5G service. In the United States and South Korea, both offer access in some cities, but it will quickly become the biggest network in the world due to China's enormous population and widespread use of cell phones. Industry sources said that there should be around 170 million 5G subscribers by next year. The next generation technology is expected to facilitate a revolution in numerous fields, including transportation, energy, agriculture, education, and health. Remote surgeries and autonomous driving, for example, are two areas that are expected to see rapid growth. Hong Kong has officially slipped into a recession as the city's economy continued to deteriorate in the third quarter. GDP shrank 3.2% from the previous quarter, marking the second straight quarter of decline, indicating the city's economy has entered a technical recession, which is typically defined as two consecutive quarters of quarter-on-quarter contraction. On a year-on-year basis, Hong Kong's economy dropped 2.9%, marking the first decrease in a decade. The city last posted a year-on-year decline in its GDP in the third quarter of 2009 when it was mired in the global financial crisis. The Hong Kong government pinned the contraction on weak demand, both inside and outside the city, driven in part by social unrest. It also attributed the weak figures to trade tensions between China and the U.S. Julian Evans Pritchard, senior China economist of research firm Capital Economics, said the main driver was a slump in private consumption as the protests shuttered stores, disrupted public transport, and deterred tourists. Alibaba is deciding between launching a 10 billion US dollar Hong Kong share sale in November or delaying the move until next year as global uncertainty grows. 
China's largest company is weighing its options for the city's biggest first-time sale of stock since 2010, but the window for pulling off a mega deal in 2019 is closing fast. Alibaba can proceed with a required listing hearing, either after its November 1st earnings report or after its November 11th Singles Day shopping gala, or risk postponing a deal altogether until 2020. Sources said Alibaba is reluctant to drag things out as uncertainty mounts around U.S.-China tensions and the global economic outlook. Alibaba's listings were to be the crowning achievement of a Hong Kong stock exchange that lost many of China's brightest technological stars to U.S. rivals. Instead, pro-democracy protests erupted over the summer and rattled the financial hub and mainland-related stocks. Co-founder Jack Ma's dream of listing closer to home, a move that would have carried favor with Beijing and hedged against trade war risks, faces backfiring without an offering. Despite these uncertainties, Alibaba reported a 40% increase in sales in the third quarter as the Chinese e-commerce giant reached its 20th anniversary and continued to add users to its online marketplace. The Chinese government on Friday effectively banned online sales of e-cigarettes as it seeks to prevent the addictive and potentially harmful products from falling into the hands of minors. The move also prohibits e-cigarette companies from advertising their products online. Despite their popularity, e-cigarettes are coming under increasing scrutiny both in China and elsewhere as experts and officials warn of their potential health risks. Although e-cigarettes don't burn tobacco, they do harbor addictive and potentially harmful substances like nicotine, flavor additives, and ultrafine particles that can be inhaled deep into the lungs. In the United States, 37 people have died this year from a lung illness associated with e-cigarette use. Following its formal launch a month ago, Beijing's new Daxing International Airport is starting to ramp up its operations en route to becoming one of the world's next major aviation hubs. During the current travel season that runs from October through next March, the immense new airport south of Beijing should boost its daily flight count to an average of around 280, or 2,000 flights per week, figures that double the amount during its initial period of operation. The airport officially opened on September 25th, making Beijing one of China's few cities with two major airports. The new facility is designed to ultimately handle more than 100 million passenger trips per year. By comparison, the currently overstretched Beijing Capital International Airport has a designed capacity for about 76 million, even though it now handles more than 100 million. China is planning to establish an economic zone in space by the middle of the century, the country's main state-owned space program contractor has said. The country plans to set up the economic zone in cislunar space, the area lying inside the moon's orbit, within the next few decades, focusing on research into reliable, low-cost transport systems featuring regular space flights to and from Earth. The country will seek to master the basic technology by 2030, build such a system by 2040, and establish the economic zone sometime around 2050. China's space sector is developing rapidly, with both state-owned and commercial players notching notable achievements in recent years. In July, Interstellar Glory Space Technology became the first private Chinese company to launch a rocket into orbit. And in June, the country's space agency announced the successful launch of a rocket from a sea-based platform, the first time a nation has done so using its own technology. 
As Tesla's U.S. sales slow, the growing China market is playing an increasingly important role in its global sales, as the American electric car maker inches towards opening its Shanghai factory. Tesla's third quarter revenue in China surged 64% year-on-year to $670 million U.S. million, a stark contrast to the United States, where its sales were down $2 billion to $3 billion. Its Shanghai factory has started producing electric vehicles on a trial basis and has been described by founder Elon Musk as a template for the company's future growth. The factory is set to expand Tesla's production capacity by 500,000 units by June 2020. Thanks, Ada. Let's turn now to Tanner Brown, head of breaking news for Tyson Global, for a chat about one of the big stories in the news this week. So, Tanner, there's some climate-related news this week, something about Shanghai getting really soggy. Hey, Kaiser. Um, Yeah, a lot of readers may have heard this uh, much-reported news of a new scientific study. Uh, This one was done by Nature Communications, which is under the Nature umbrella. It was a peer-reviewed journal. And the study concluded that coastal areas were more at threat from rising sea levels than we had previously believed. And so the story we looked at was specifically what the impact on China is likely to be. So what were the findings exactly? Well, it's not good. The study, which is, again, a peer-reviewed study, which was done by American researchers, found that about three times more people in mainland China are at risk for sea level rising associated with greenhouse gas emissions, greenhouse gas emissions from human activity. So three times more people, which means it could affect almost 100 million people on the Chinese mainland. This has profound implications for especially urban coastal areas. You know, China, as with a lot of countries, is its coastal areas are among its more populous areas. So places like Shanghai, Tianjin, Pearl River Delta, um, Hong Kong, um, that's not the mainland, but Hong Kong. Um, and the study looked at the impact in 2050. So 2050 is, you know, three decades away. It's not that, that far away. And it found that by 2050, the land that is home currently in China to about 100 million or 93 million people would potentially be lower than the height of the coastal flood flood level. Ooh, that's grim. So, for instance, essentially the entire cent- center of Shanghai, which is the country's most populous city, would be vulnerable to flooding uh, without the construction of new coastal defenses. And the, the, the same would apply to, to really most of Jiangsu province. And the outlook is similarly bleak for northern cities, such as Tianjin, which is kind of the the seaport for Beijing, um, and in the south for Pearl River Delta, which is a delta, so obviously it's vulnerable to inundation and it's an extremely populous area. Uh, the Pearl River Delta, home to Hong Kong, Macau, Guangzhou. So that's worse than previously estimated. So what exactly had been previously estimated? Uh, good question. The... Um, Previous estimates that we found had put the number of people that were likely to be affected by 2050 uh, at about 29 million people. So we're jumping from 29 million people to 93 million people. This is about a threefold increase. And I mean, these are millions, millions, millions of people whose lives are going to be affected who are potentially going to have to move if infrastructure and seawalls and coastal defenses are not substantially increased. Besides reducing greenhouse gas emissions, which we all know to be the cause of global warming and and sea level rises, what are some of the things that people can do to mitigate flooding in the near term? 
Well, uh, as I mentioned, you can build seawalls, levees, other infrastructure, which are already in place in some areas that are already below the sea level or below the what's called the flood level. And they, they can work if properly constructed. Um, you also want to sort of beef up your early warning disaster systems. And, you know, some researchers point to what are called sponge cities. One example was um, a city called, uh, a part of Shanghai called Lingang, which has sort of permeable pavements, has rooftop gardens, uh, it has um, lots of trees, plants, and it can soak up heavy rains and it can divert water and soak up water during, during heavy rain periods and sort of avert the floods. So there are immediate things that can be done, and then there's the longer-term things, such as reducing greenhouse gas emissions. So I think it takes a short-term and long-term vision to sort of tackle this problem, and we're going to have to wait and see if the government has the will and the means to, to do this. We've seen governments around the world uh, failing to adequately recognize the threat posed by these problems. Um, and I think the take-home message is that 2050 is not a million years away. It's a generation away. It's 30 years away. And we're looking at, just in China, 100 million people at risk during these flood-prone areas. There are places all over the rest of the world that we could talk about at a different time that are also at risk. But our piece just looked at, at, at China itself sort of as a, um, a slice of this bigger problem. Well, thanks as always for brightening my day, Tanner, and I look forward to your next downer of a story. Thanks, Kaiser. I will make sure when something really negative happens to uh, to come back on. Awesome. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is powered by SubChina and is produced by Kaiser Guo and Tanner Brown with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Thanks, of course, to Ada Shen. Special thanks to Li Xin of Caixin Global and to Spring and Autumn and Wufei for the music. Be sure to check out all the other shows about contemporary China in the expanding Seneca network. And be sure to follow the news from China every day at SUP China. Subscribe to our newsletter at SUPChina.com. Take care.